Hey, this is Pastor Rick, and I'm bringing you a message today on demand from my home. That's right, from my house. And uh, I'm going to share a powerful word today on patience and impatience. I want to show you how to get to the harvest you dream of. One of the ways you get there is by being patient. Now, today is special because my daughter and I are going to tag team. There's going to be a two parts to this, and you don't want to miss it. She's really good. So join us. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about patience and impatience and how you can get to the dream of your life by being patient. So stay with us. It's going to be really good. On demand, you and I together today in my house. See you in a minute. Stay there. Hello, everyone, and happy streaming from home Sunday to you and your family. We are so excited to be able to worship with you again in your living room. It is Youth Sunday. And so shout out to all of my teenagers who are watching. I miss y'all so much. You just don't even know. I miss you guys. Um, I'm just glad to be able to come to you this morning. Um, I am going to tag team with my dad for the very first time, and I'm just stoked about it. Um, and so I just pray that the word that is brought forth will touch your heart and your mind. So can we just open up with prayer this morning? Awesome. Uh, Father God, we just thank you for this awesome opportunity to just gather in your name, God. We pray that the message that is brought forth this morning touch the hearts and the minds of your people. Father, let them walk away knowing the value of them being patient and waiting on the things of God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. And most importantly, we thank you for your healing power that will cover this entire nation. We praise you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, like I said, we've been home for a while now. And so for many of you, you've had you've taken this time to get projects done around your household, projects that you've been waiting to do for a very long time. Uh, for some of you, you've taken this time um, that you've been at home to spend with your, your family, with your spouse, with your kids, all that awesome stuff. Uh, for some of you, you've taken this time to catch up on those uh, TV shows that you've been wanting to watch for a while now. Um, and then, of course, for some of you, you've been indulging in social media um, and all of these crazy challenges that have been on social media. Y'all, listen, but there is one challenge that has been my absolute favorite. And that is the fruit snack challenge. Listen, if you have not seen the fruit snack challenge, I want you to check this video out because today we're going to talk about what we could learn from the toddler and the fruit snack. Check this video out. And then we'll have it together, okay? Okay. Hold on, I'll be right back. enjoy that video of the fruit snack challenge now a couple of observations about the challenge the first thing that we notice is that each child is given something that they like or desire 
um, something that they would deem as their favorite thing. And it was placed in front of them in a bowl or a plate. And um, of course, placed there so they, they can see it, they can smell it, they know that it exists. And right when they were getting ready to dig in, the parent told them to wait. They said, you can have it, but you got to wait until I come back. All right. And so not only were they asked to wait, we also noticed that some kids were willing to wait while others not so much. And I mean, I get it. Like, why would you put my favorite thing in front of me and then ask me to wait? Um, and so not only do we observe that, but we also noticed that some kids were given details while others not so much. Some kids were told, listen, I'm going to go do this real quick. And then when I come back, we can eat that you can eat this snack while some kids were just told to wait and not know how long they were waiting um they didn't know what the parent was going to go do any of that they were just simply told to wait until the parent came back and so what can we learn from the fruit snack and the toddler when it comes down to the conversation about waiting well the first thing that we can learn is this is that waiting requires you to remind yourself of the promise do you remember the little boy in the chocolate chip cookie? It was his mom told him, listen, you can have this cookie, but you got to wait until I come back. And when I come back, we're going to eat this cookie together. And right when he was tempted to indulge in this cookie, he reminded himself of the promise, which was that he was going to have the opportunity to eat the cookie with his mom. Now, listen, sometimes you got to pause and remind yourself of the promises of God. And so when it comes down to waiting, waiting requires you to remind yourself of the promise. So the second thing that we can learn from the fruit snack challenge and the toddler is this, is that waiting requires you to trust the promise giver. They knew that mommy and daddy were coming back. They didn't know how long it was going to take. They didn't know exactly what mommy and daddy were doing, but they knew that their parent was coming back. We have to know and trust the promise giver. We have to be able to know that God is going to always fulfill his promises. Amen. So the first thing that we can learn from the toddler and the fruit snack is that waiting requires you to remind yourself of the promise. And then the second thing that we can learn is that waiting requires you to trust the promise giver. And then the last thing that we can learn from the fruit snack challenge is this, is that waiting requires you to believe that the promise is worth the wait. I got so excited when I saw those kids get excited when their parent came back. It was almost like they had this freedom to enjoy uh, their favorite snack because they knew that it was worth the wait. And so we have to believe that the promises of God are worth the wait. So y'all, while I was watching this fruit snack challenge, I had a whole revelation and I said, Lord, Please give me the patience of a toddler. Now, for some of y'all, y'all like, listen, Christina, I got toddlers in my household and I don't even know if you want to pray that prayer. But I want you to follow me on this because there is something that we can learn from the toddler and the fruit snack. Now, of course, there are a ton of Bible stories about people who waited. But there's one story in particular that I want to touch on today. And that is the story of a man by the name of Naaman. Now, we can find his story in 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, the Bible tells us that Naaman was a great man. Not only was Naaman a great man, but Naaman was a brave soldier. 
But we also learned that Naaman had a disease called leprosy, which was an infectious disease. And so one day Naaman was told that there was a prophet in Samaria. And not only was there a prophet there, but that prophet had the ability to heal him from his leprosy. And so, of course, Naaman in chapter, or excuse me, in verse nine, it says that Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of a man by the name of Elijah. So Naaman went up there expecting to be able to be healed. All right. And so then it goes on in verse 10. It says, but Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now, pause. Can you just put yourself in Naaman's shoes for a second? He's excited. I'm about to go to this prophet Elijah. I'm about to go get healed. My skin about to look brand new. I'm about to be like set for life. And then you travel, you get there. And then all of a sudden you don't even meet Elijah. You meet Elijah's messenger. And the messenger tells you to take yourself to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times. Now, just imagine how Naaman felt. Let's continue reading this story. The Bible continues to say that Naaman went away angry. Verse 11 says, Naaman said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Like surely he would wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. So he's like, surely you was going to come out and at least say something to me. But that's not what happened. And the verse continues in, in verse 13. It says, now Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So, of course, Naaman's like, you know what? You're right. So the Bible continues to say in verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Now, what can we learn from the story of Naaman? Well, the first thing that we can learn is this, is that it pays to have people around you who can remind you of the promises of God. Now, listen, not only is it important for you to remind yourself of the promise, but it's important for you to surround yourself with people who can remind you of the promises of God. See, Naaman had a servant who would not let him miss out on his miracle. So my question to you is this. Do you have friends around you who refuse to let you miss out on your miracle? Who will remind you that God is getting ready to do something amazing in your life? Do you have those type of people in your circle? Because those type of people are very important to you. So the first thing that we can learn from Naaman's story is this. Is that it is important to have people around you who can remind you of the promise. The second thing that we can learn from Naaman is this. Is that it isn't important to always trust the promise giver even if it doesn't make sense. Naaman expected a touch and agree type of healing, but Elijah told him to go dip himself 
in the Jordan seven times. It didn't look like how Naaman had expected it to look, but it was exactly what Naaman needed. And so it is so important that we always trust the promise giver, even if it does not make sense. So the first thing is, is that we learn from this story is that it is important to have people around you who can remind you of the promise. And then also that it is important to trust the promise giver, even if it doesn't make sense. And then number three, what we can learn from Naaman's story is this, is that it is important to believe that your promise is worth it. It is important to believe that no matter what, what I desire from God is worth the wait because Naaman believed that his healing was important. He could have easily responded differently, but Naaman said, you know what, no matter what this looks like. I am going to do what I'm told to do because my healing is important to me. So my closing question to you is this. What are you missing out on because you refuse to remind yourself of the promise? You refuse to surround yourself with people who will remind you of the promise. You refuse to trust the promise giver and you refuse to believe that waiting on the promise is worth it. Listen, I want you to pause for a second. Can you imagine what God has in store for you? Like, just take a second and think to yourself, what does God have waiting for me? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. And then it says the human mind cannot conceive of what God has prepared for me. Listen, y'all, I believe that God is getting ready to blow your mind and I believe that God has some great things in store for you and I believe that it is bigger than any plate full of fruit snacks it is bigger than any chocolate chip cookie I believe that God has some awesome things in store for you but my prayer is this my prayer is that you are willing to wait on the promises of God my prayer is that you are willing to remind yourself of the promises of God and my prayer is that you are willing to trust the promise giver and know that the promise is worth the wait. Well, I pray you were blessed by my daughter, Christina. Isn't she special? She just, I mean, made it really plain for us that there's something powerful that happens when you're patient. And I believe it's really important to understand that what she shared with you, if you apply it, it can change your life. Now, let me tag team and take the second part of this. And I'm going to talk to you briefly about reminding you, first of all, of the three things she just said. Now, so look at these again. Number one, she said, remind yourself of the promise. Number two, trust the promise giver. And number three, believe that the promise is worth the wait. Now, those three things are important. And you don't want to forget those three things because they can bridge your life to a new place, give you the bridge that can carry you to a better, better life, a better vision. But I want to take this to another place because after Naaman had his moment, he was healed. He was better. In that moment, Naaman walked away, having been told by Elijah, no thank you for a gift, because Naaman was excited. Now I'm looking great. I'm shining. Man, my skin is great. I'm going home. Can't wait till my woman sees me. Oh, he is rolling. But what's amazing is he goes to Elijah, and I want to read something to you. It's in Second uh, Kings chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 15. And look what it said. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and, and stood before him. And he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. 
Verse 16, and he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two uh, mule loads of earth. Give me some dirt to take from here. Uh, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. Now, this is a strong moment. Because what we're going to see is the power of patience and how patience can bring you to a place of harvest and blessing. So I want you to look at how patience impacts the harvest. The first thing I want you to see is patience leads to long-term transformation. This guy decides, I know there's a God now. I know there's a God now. I am sure that there is a God after seeing myself healed. And then secondly, watch this now. He, he, he now wants to take this to another place. So I call this transformational geographic uh, impact. So patience leads to geographic trans transformation and it leads to long-term transformation in his personal life. So he wants to take some dirt and take it back to his hometown and he's going to worship God on this dirt. This is amazing. Whenever you get right, whenever you do the right thing, Whenever you put yourself in the right place, it moves. It doesn't just stay with you. When when I got when I get right with God, I can move to any place in the country. It moves with me. It's like the it's like the dirt moves with me. That's a powerful moment. I thought about that. How he said, "No, I want some of this dirt. I want some of this dirt to go with me, and I want to make sure that you're clear that I've been changed." He could sing the song, "I've been changed." My God, my God. Now, when the transformation happened. He offers Elijah some money. Let me pay you. Let me give you something. Elijah is emphatic. No, I don't want anything. This is not about me. This is not my day to get paid. Think about this for a minute. This is not my day to get paid. One more time. This is not my day to get paid. He didn't say he wouldn't get paid at all. Down the road, he gets paid, but this was not the day. You've got to know when your payday is and when your payday is not. Well, notice with me a third thing that I think is important. Patience leads to cultural sensitivity. Now, when he mentions this to Elijah about his transformation, he understands he lives in a world that's not going to change with him. He says, okay, now I'm going to take some dirt back. I believe that you serve the real and the only God, but where I'm going back to work, uh, uh, they don't believe like that. And so he goes back knowing everybody's not going to come to God. You know, we have a hard time with that. Sometimes we have a hard time believing everybody doesn't want God. Everybody doesn't want to be saved. Everybody doesn't want to know Christ. Everybody doesn't want to. I was talking to a guy one time and I was, he was, he's a Christian now. He's a pastor. And I was telling him, and he was telling me about his past. And I said, you know, I know you hated being back there and, and all that sin. He said, oh no, pastor, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved it. I loved the sin. It was wonderful. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. It was an honest moment. It's like, I, no, I had a good time back then. I was lost. And happily lost, happily lost. Yeah. Sometimes you blame people. Sometimes you act like everybody's sad. But this guy says, the people I'm going to, I can change all I want to. They're not changing. Listen to what he says in verse 18. He said, yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. May the Lord give me in advance. When my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there and leans on, the, on, on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Ramon, he said, when I bow down to the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant 
in this thing. In other words, when I go back, uh, the king is going to uh, ask me to bow down with him. And I have to bow down because uh, uh, I just have to bow down. So it don't mean anything to me, but this is just a ceremony I got to go to. There are times you have to be around things that you are not necessarily in favor of. And it's really difficult for Christians sometimes to understand the balance. Uh, I may be in an environment where they may be um, not totally won over to my lifestyle. How do I manage that? You know what I really believe? We have a hard time with that. We have a hard time managing moments when everybody doesn't want to do what we want to do. They, they're, they're not going to all stop drinking. They're not going to all stop doing whatever. I mean, whatever it is. I just have to understand if you're on a basketball team and all the guys at night going out partying and whatever, that's what they do. I'm on the team, but I don't do what they do in the evening. That's part of life. And I can't run from that. I can't run from the fact that people don't always um, want to agree. And I love the fact that he says, let me tell you up front now, when I go back and you hear that I went to that temple, that that's just the way it is. So I, I'm not I'm not going to win the people. Have you accepted that you may not win your husband to Christ, that you may not win your children, that you may not win your neighbor? Daniel and, and Daniel didn't win everybody in the book of Daniel. Neither did the Hebrew boys. They didn't win everybody. There are people who died believing what they believed. You have to stop thinking that your assignment in life is to make, keyword, everybody come to God. Some don't want to come to God. Well, Pastor Rick, shouldn't we try? Whosoever will let him come. Stop beating your husband up, putting signs on the mirror. You need Jesus. Stop that. Just love him. Love him for who he is. He may die without, well, he's going to hell. See, there you go. There you go. Put your, look, take off your judge, your judge robe for a minute. Well, Pastor Rick, now you don't know him. Or you don't know her. Here's what I want you to do. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, can you accept the fact that some people have said, I don't want to change. I want to be like this. And, and can you just let God handle that? You know, one of, my, one of my old pastors said something, Jack Hayford said years ago. He said, the reason the Lord said let the wheat and the tear grow together. He said, because we amputate people. We draw conclusions, say things. But let's just say you're right. That's their right not to, to know Christ. That's their right not to go to church. That's their right. That's their right. That's their decision. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for them and care for them, but you shouldn't define your whole life by their decision. I, I've seen people say, well, my son's decided to live in a lifestyle I don't like, or my daughter, what do you do? I love them. Love them. Don't, don't, don't make everything about that. This guy understood. When I go back, everybody's not changing. Everybody's not going to stop cursing or whatever. Everybody's not. Everybody's not going to change. And he says, I just need you to know that. And this, I think that's a point you need to put in your heart and mind and embrace and understand that your job is, is not to force, that's the key word, everybody to change. Love them, give them space, pray for them, be a light to them, and, and you just know your part. Look at verse 19. He goes further and says this. So then he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him and he went a short distance. Now watch what happens because you just saw patience reward a man, Naaman, who had leprosy. 
Now you're going to see impatience judge a man named Gehazi. Look at verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God said, look, my master has spared Naaman, the Syrian, whilst not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is, is all well? Is everything okay? Now Gehazi looked and said, oh no, this, this cannot be true. You mean to tell me that, that my master is going to let this man leave with this money? And those nice clothing, he has some clothes and everything. You gonna, And he decides, well, I'm taking matters in my own hand. So here's what I want you to see. Notice how patience can bless your life and impatience can hurt your life. Notice with me, impatience leads to a life-changing decision by Gehazi. The decision to go and take this money will change his life forever. You can make one decision, change everything. All your options, everything that you do can be completely changed with one decision. One romantic night, one day out on the party, one moment of anger, one fight. One fight can change your life, remove all your freedom forever or for years, change all your job options, everything, all because of one temper tantrum. Secondly, watch this. Impatience leads to lying. Now watch what he does. When he meets, when he meets um, uh, Naaman, watch what Gehazi says to him in verse 22. He said, all is well. My master has sent me. That's a lie. Master didn't send him. Indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. That's a lie. Nobody had come. Uh, no guests had showed up at the house. Uh, and then he says, please give them, them, a talent of silver and two chains of garments. Here's what he's, here's the lie. Here's what he's saying. We got two guests who just showed up, man, just time you left. Two guests showed up from Ephraim and they need some clothes and they need some money. And so you, what you, it would be great. My master told me to come and get some money for them. He's lying. This money's not for the guests. There's no guests. He's the guest. He wants the money. He wants the clothing. Now watch the third thing that happens. Now, impatience leads to hypocrisy. So you got impatience. Now is going to change his life forever. Impatience is going to lead to lying. And impatience is going to lead to hypocrisy. Watch what he says in verse 23. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to the to, to, to two of his servants. And they carried them on ahead of him. And when he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and, and they departed. Now, he went in and stood before his master, Elijah, and said to him, watch that, Elijah said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? Where you been, man? He said, your servant did not go anywhere. I haven't been anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. What you talking about? Go. I haven't been anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. Lie again. See, lie, 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 lie. Lord have mercy. We lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? We convince ourselves it's okay to live a lie. He's a hypocrite right now. He's faking. And I want you to watch this. So in the end, what he did was he ran ahead of God's provision. God was going to provide for him, but sometimes impatience leads you to run ahead of God's harvest plan for you. So God wants you to get a husband, but not today, not him, not that one. God wants you to have a wife, but don't get that wife. God wants you to get a job, but don't get that job. Don't do that. No, wait a minute. Paul, you're running ahead of God right now.
Look with me at verse 26. Then he said to him, did not my heart, this is Elijah talking to Gehazi, go with you when the man returned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time, is it time? This is the big question. Is it time to receive money? Is this the time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Is this the time? Maybe it's not the time. Boy, I tell you, sometimes you just run ahead of God and get in trouble. You run ahead of God and you put yourself in a place you don't have to be. You know, it's one of those really painful moments because the next verse says this. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from this presence. Watch this now. Leprous as white as snow. What was on Naaman now is on him. And he says, it's going to be with you for generations. Now, here's a, here's a point here. You know why I believe his kids were going to have it too? It wasn't because God cursed all the kids to genetically get it. That Gehazi was going to expose his kids to this leprosy. And for generations, because the leper was supposed to be in a leper colony, separate. But here's what was going to happen. His kids were going to be infected. They were going to infect each other for generations. You know, I've seen this. You drink, you get drunk, and you have infected all your children. That's why they own drugs. You've infected everybody with lying. You've infected everybody with anger. You've infected everybody. Your leprosy is spreading throughout your generation. He said, Gehazi, you'll never change. That's what Elijah told him. What's going to happen to you, you're going to pass it on to your children. What should you do? Back up your train. Become more patient. Trust your God. Give God a chance to change your life. This could be the moment the season in your life where everything can be different. You know, this series, I hope has helped you. We got more to talk about next week and I don't want you to miss it. I've got some things that I think will help you and it will lift you to a new place. We're gonna talk next week about how dreaming should lead to clarity. And we've been talking about financial clarity, family clarity, unity is gonna be our focus next week. And I wanna show you how your life can go to another place if you would focus your heart and mind and learn from who I'm going to share with you next week. This week you learn from Gehazi. This week you learn from Naaman. Before that you learn from Adam and Eve. Now I want to take you down the road and show you what Noah's got to tell you. And he's going to show us some powerful things about unity and how banding together as a family can make something amazing happen. For some of you, that's the lesson you need to learn. And it will not only help you in your spiritual life, it's going to help you in your financial life. You will have more, build more, and be safer because you work together. That we'll talk about next week. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those who've listened today. I pray this message has helped them and given them a vision. And may they gain from both our conversations today, from Christina's comments and from mine, may they learn the power of patience and see the danger of impatience. I speak blessings upon them. And those that don't know you as Savior, may this be the moment they say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want a transformation in my life. And I believe that God cares about me. And may I start my walk with God today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, I love you. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your presence. And I pray that your life will never be the same. If you have a desire for prayer, if you say, you know, I want a change in my life and I want you to pray for me, I want you to email me personally pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's right. Email me personally, and I want to send something to you. 
pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. It's really our joy, our, our honor to be able to share with you and to give you an opportunity uh, to be a part of our life. I want to help you grow in your walk with God. So when you email me, just say, Pastor, I want that information on how to start my life with God. Now, some of you say, well, this, well how can I? There's an option that we have. You can email me directly, but you also can reach out to me by text. There's a text right there on your, on your screen. And you can email, you can text that number and say, well, just send me that information, Pastor Rick. I want to know how to start my life with Jesus. You can text to that number. And please do. We'd love to hear from you. So if you want to email me and ask me a question, feel free to do that. I'll personally respond to you. And if you also want to just text and say, send me the information, or do both. Be great. Love to hear from you. Okay. I want to help you start your walk with God. Well, thank you for watching us on demand today. You know, it's really important to get a word that can change your life. And I hope you learn the power of patience. There's something about how impatience can change your life for generations. The generations in front of you can suffer because of your impatience. So let's pray together and watch God turn this around for you. Father, bless those who've heard this message. May they send it, link it to somebody else that needs to hear this and may it bless their lives forever, I pray. May this be the beginning of a patient life as they march toward the harvest they dream of in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you for joining my daughter and I. We thank you for being a part of our time today. We love having you with us on demand. Stay with us. We've got more stuff coming. Stay with us on demand. Keep yourself connected. And if you don't have the app, you need to get the app so you can see everything all the time. Overcoming by Faith Ministries app is amazing because there it is in your hand. Overcoming by Faith Ministries app. Get it, my friend. It keeps you connected. We love you. See you next time right here on demand. Bye-bye.